First Kingsley Jonathan signs with the Colts. Now Josh Black signs with the Saints. Brad and I are going to break it all down. Also, Syracuse is after another three-star linebacking recruit. And we'll give you a little SU defensive line depth chart. Brad, this is going to be an action-packed episode. Yeah, all of a sudden, Syracuse football has a pulse. And it's a nice little bit of a change of pace here. It is all on Locked On Syracuse, and it is right now. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte and Brad Klein with you on another episode of Locked On Syracuse, our second ever together, and I'm so excited to be on our second ever episode, Brad. The breaking news today, or really wasn't breaking news today, it's been on for a couple of days now, but the exciting news is that Josh Black is now on an NFL team. He signed with the Saints after going undrafted. He goes through a couple of workouts, and rookie camp is now a, a real thing for him, which is pretty exciting. It is exciting. Good for him, first of all. It's not easy to earn a spot like that. A lot of the players will just get uh, an undrafted free agent deal off of their college success. Josh Black had a lot to prove, and he goes into Bears practice and Saints practice and shows what he can do, and who knows what the Bears thought of him after that, but Black has so much talent, and for a guy with his talent and a guy with his size and his physical ability, the numbers, the results, they just weren't there last year. So good for the Saints to believe in him and and at least take a, a bit of a gamble on him, a bit of a chance. And good for Josh Black to cash in on those tools that he wasn't necessarily able to completely capitalize on at Syracuse. And Black at Syracuse, of course, was a freak athlete. There are the many videos of him doing backflips and running up walls and everything that we've all seen. Uh, But he was also a huge heart on the SU defense and a guy who'd been there for so long. He was one of the only guys left from the Camping World Bowl uh, year of 2018. uh, And last year was really one of the big leaders on the team. So... To see him go was a bit of a bittersweet moment for the team, but also it is so exciting to see him get a new start in the NFL. The question I have surrounding this, Brad, and I'll give an answer and I want one out of you, is what do you think that kind of thing does in terms of Syracuse's recruiting on the front seven? Well, it certainly doesn't hurt. I think Josh Josh Black is a different case, though, and I think we're seeing that all, all around college football and now, at, however you want to define it, the NFL – in that Black is a guy who exercised his extra year of eligibility. He's kind of in that weird uh, case right there where he's a sixth-year senior, super senior, and it's a little different, right? You expect a guy who's playing Power 5 football, ACC football, to be there, who's there for six years, to capitalize and parlay that into a pro deal. You expect that to happen. That being said... This puts Syracuse in the running for something. If he can make a 53-man roster, doesn't have to be the Saints, just has to be any roster, then that means something. But right now, doesn't mean much for recruiting. No one really cares about making a 90-man roster. And let me just say, thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net. It's got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, Brad, I mean, I think, of course, it can't be a bad thing for Syracuse recruiting. But I think the also 
uh, intricate thing and kind of unique thing about Black's case is that you alluded to in that his stats were never great. This was never a guy uh, who was on the opposing team. If you're an NC State or a Virginia Tech or any other ACC school coming in that you really had to focus on and game plan against because he was never that great in terms of statistics or plugging up holes. The only other thing or the only thing he really had was that he was a crazy good athlete. Uh, and that's some of the kind of thing you can't really teach a lot of the times. Uh, so Black being that guy, I think, helps other recruits look towards Syracuse and say, all right, well, maybe I can't do this, that, or the other thing, but they're going to help me uh, use what I do have and, and turn that into NFL dreams, right? Yeah, you would think. And, and honestly, I think just the volume of Syracuse defensive linemen pursuing professional futures, that matters more than Josh Black specifically. You've got Kingsley Jonathan, you've got McKinley Williams, and now you've got Josh Black all in there, all vying for a pro contract with an NFL team. Uh, I think, so here's the funny thing about Josh Black, okay, is that there's that age-old saying, you are what your stats say you are. I would actually argue, and the stats aren't good, he's got half a sack last year, six tackles for loss, 35 total tackles, I would argue that Josh Black was worse than his stats because think about it. You have, statistically speaking, one of the best pass rushers in the nation and Cody Roscoe on the other side of the defensive line. Roscoe was drawing doubles, and Josh Black even admitted, hey, Cody Roscoe's success helps me, and look at what it did for him. He got a half a sack. That was it. So I'd be very concerned if I were an NFL team, and if I were an NFL GM, I probably wouldn't have floated him an invite, but... The Saints did, and only one way to find out if it was a worthwhile gamble. The recruits are looking at that, though. The recruits, the smart ones at least, aren't looking at, oh, well, am I going to get a floater deal with the Saints? No. They want to see, am I going to be put in a position to get to the quarterback, to get in the backfield in college? Because then I'll get drafted. I won't be fighting for an undrafted free agent deal i'll get drafted if i could actually succeed and the, the the other funny thing is or maybe not funny thing but but per, kind of perplexing thing is that cody roscoe like you said who is one of the best uh stories in the nation who was a transfer from mcneese state to syracuse and, and last year just put up absurd numbers on the defensive line he hasn't gotten that opportunity in the nfl right now so that's kind of perplexing to me as well. Another guy that I think we'll end up seeing there at some point, hopefully. But it is kind of odd that Josh Black gets that call before Cody Roscoe does, right? Yeah, it's really strange. It's kind of speaking to the NFL's superficiality. You look at the stats. Just look beyond the height and weight of Cody Roscoe. He's been undersized his entire career. Hasn't stopped him. I think it's a great story. And you look at, I mean, the thing is, and Dino Babers likes to say this a lot, you look at all the Super Bowl rosters, how many five stars are there? How many three stars are there? I'm not saying Cody Roscoe is a Super Bowl caliber player. All I'm saying is there is a precedent for guys like Cody Roscoe who transferred from a lesser program, made something of themselves despite their disadvantages, whether that be their their body type or whatever, but still produce on the field. So, that, to me, gets me a little upset because I think Cody Roscoe is the best player defensively, uh, draft eligible, that is, on this team. Yeah, and if you look at Syracuse's defensive line from last season, they were entering a year where 
it was a huge question mark because the year prior hadn't been good and the one in ten season nothing had been good of course but the defensive line especially was led by Josh Black and McKinley Williams who weren't entirely great uh, and then they kind of had to look to other names and and Roscoe was one that fans and media alike didn't really know uh, what kind of numbers he'd produce and then he came out and then just kind of knocked the socks off of everybody so to see him not get an opportunity yet is a little perplexing but uh, I think that you have to hold out hope there and see that it, he will. Uh, and if he does, he will likely make the most of it. And I think we'll see him in the league for at least a couple of seasons. Yeah. And Josh Black, look, it doesn't take much. Josh Black is not necessarily auditioning for defensive linemen. He's got this unbelievable body that can be used so well in special teams. If he can be a strong blocker on a kicking unit, then he will have a spot on an NFL roster just because of his body type. And that's not a dig on him. That's great. And Brad, I want you to, I want to let you know that our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Maybe Josh Black makes a difference in those. Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. And we appreciate you making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. But make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft mock draft player rankings and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So, Bones, we talked a little bit about Syracuse football's, I guess you can say, seed they plant for the recruiting trail. Josh Black inking a contract with the Saints for camp, trying to make that 53-man roster. That never hurts for recruiting. But in terms of the actual substantial what's happening on the Syracuse football recruiting trail, Zion Moultrie Goddard, say that three times fast, The Orange are in on him, they've offered him, and they are one of just two power fives to offer this linebacker from New Rochelle, New York, class of 2023, three-star, and I think he's a good fit. And we were talking a little bit before the show, Bones, you told me that you really like Syracuse's ability to turn these kind of under the radar, okay, he's a three-star, so what recruits, into something special. Absolutely. And the other news about him that came out a couple days ago is that Syracuse is the only team to offer him official visits so far. They have uh, set down a date June 17th. Zion will visit campus, so it'll be nice and uh, beautiful by the time he gets there. A little bit of a hoodwink from SU, if you ask me. Uh, But (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at it at the numbers and at, at what Syracuse has done, especially last season with those guys, Michael Jones, Stephon Thompson, Marlo Wax, all three-star recruits, Marlo Wax, of course, came in as a running back, and Dino Baber said, hey, maybe you're a linebacker, and he has flourished in that role. But all three of those guys who were three-stars have just been incredible. Michael Jones, especially the quarterback of the defense, as Dino has so often called him. He had 12 tackles for loss last year, three sacks, a fumble recovery. Stephon Thompson, seven and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and Wax, six sacks, nine 
tackles for loss. So these guys have all been incredibly impactful and have kind of molded Syracuse's defense last season into what it was and kind of made them as successful as they were. Because as we all know, the offense outside of Sean Tucker was really nothing. So those five wins kind of came on the backs of that defense a lot of the times where there are games where teams put on stupid numbers uh, like the Florida State game where they scored way too many points or the Virginia Tech game where they scored way too many points. But yes, of course that's going to happen. But those three guys were incredible uh, all season long. So when you look at three-star recruits and you say, all right, at some point Syracuse has to creep out of the, the bottom echelon of recruiting in the ACC I don't disagree, but at the same time, I think you have to give credit where credit's due to Dino Babers and his coaching staff and say, sure, maybe they're going to be 13th or 14th in the ACC in recruiting, and that isn't good, but the guys they are getting, they are turning around, and they are making into really solid players that any team in the ACC would want. Yeah, I think Syracuse football fans are a little sick and tired of just hoping, praying that the three-star recruits play like four or five-star recruits. The, at the end of the day, though, you can only evaluate recruiting on the field, but still, it is a little tough to see on the recruiting trail. Now, that being said, you talk about ripple effect recruiting, and that's what recruiting really is. With Josh Black landing a deal with the Saints, and what does this mean for recruiting? I think Marlo Wax has completely revolutionized what it means to be recruited as a linebacker to Syracuse. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely has. I mean, the guy, of course, like I just said, and if you didn't already know, he was recruited by pretty much every school as a running back, played running back in high school, and Dino Babers and Cope Company saw well, him so and the said, funny thing this is, guy would be a fantastic linebacker. And he he came played in both in high school, somewhat obviously. And Dino told him on the trail, yes. hey, um, you're going to have an opportunity to play running back. This is, of course, in a world where Sean Tucker doesn't really matter as much as we thought he would of course so you're gonna have an opportunity to play a running back he's the one bones who said you know what i want to play linebacker i want to be a part of this defense that is the unbelievable part of the story so everyone can right. talk about well michael jones is this and michael jones is that you don't have to be michael jones to be uber successful in the 335 as a linebacker look at stefan thompson look at marlo wax so I think that when you think about development of the linebackers, you think of recruitment of the linebackers, you have to trust what the assistants are doing. And just back to Zion for a moment, he's yeah. listed at 6'2", 240 pounds. I mean, the dude is pretty big. Um, and to all the people who say that Bavers doesn't recruit his state and whatnot, this guy's from New Rochelle. Uh, so at least he's got that going for him. Uh, and not to say that he's going to be incredible or that Dino's going after the best players in the state, because obviously he's not. This guy comes in at 107 in terms of linebackers. Uh, but he is the fourth in New York, so, I mean, there's something there. But, sure, like you said, Brad, you know, it does get a little bit tiring and a little bit frustrating to say, to see that Babers isn't going after the four stars and the five stars and that Syracuse seemingly can't pull in those guys. But at the same time, I guess I'm being a little bit optimistic and I'm being a little hopeful and just on the positive side of things. But 
it has worked with those three guys. And not saying that it will work with Zion. He might not be great. I, I'm not Nostradamus. But I think that you have to trust the track record that Dino and the staff have laid down over the last couple of years and say this guy could be the next guy that fills now in for them and wows the SU crowd. Football. Step back and talk about what I really want to talk about, and that's Bilt Bar. Now imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting, then opening your eyes and realizing, hey, that wasn't frosting. That was only 150 calories, 16 grams of protein. This is what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my own birthday cake puffs. I have never had anything like this before. They're available right now, and we can't promise that they're going to be there tomorrow. So go get them today at Built.com. If you haven't tried them, I'm telling you my secret to you, unbelievable, 100% real chocolate with 150 calories and, again, 16 grams of protein. The kicker, only 9 grams of sugar. This limited-time offer, an amazing birthday cake puffs right now. The offer, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, it's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, Brad, it is time to continue our series of giving you the Bones and Brad depth charts of Syracuse football for the 2022 season. Yesterday, we did the quarterback position. We talked about Garrett Schrader being the starter, debated whether or not Justin Lampsom's absence would create a kind of battle between Dan Villari and Jacoby and Morgan, which it did, uh, as, as we found out. Today, we will focus on the defensive line, as that has been the theme of this episode Plenty of guys out the door. Cody Roscoe, McKinley Williams, Josh Black, all gone. Like I said, the that, that position has been a question mark over the last couple of years, and this season is no different. There, There's a lot of uh, proving yourself to be done with this group, in my opinion. You don't really have any of the veterans that you've had before. The three names that stick out to me, Brad, are Caleb Okachekwu, Terry Lockett, and Steve Linton. Is that the same names that are in your head? Yes, hesitantly, right? I mean, I feel like it's those names by default, hesitancy being, that's disappointing, right? Because this is a a core that was the most senior position group on the team last year with the sixth year, with the super seniors, with Josh Black coming back and McKinley Williams there and Kingsley Jonathan, a leader. And now you're relying on inexperience. I mean, Caleb Okachekwu, is going to be your most experienced player in that unit. And that's a guy with some talent, with some production in the past, but still more to prove than not. Yes, I agree 100%. Okachekwu is not exact. I mean, he played 10 games last year, but Inum didn't really do anything too spectacular. Uh, He had more sacks than Josh Black. (laughs) He did have more sacks than Josh Black. He had one and a half. Uh, same amount as McKinley Williams, and he had three and a half tackles for loss, 21 tackles on the season, and a fumble recovery, so Caleb's got that going for him. I think he will be a a decent player, and you can't really count anybody out on this team. And honestly, I do actually have a lot of hope for this unit because I'm really high on Terry Lockett. I think he's a really solid player. We didn't get to see him on a ton of snaps last year, but another guy who has more sacks than than Josh Black, he had two, two (laughs) tackles for loss, 12 tackles on the year. Uh, Terry Lockett seems like a pretty darn good player to me, a guy that got a little bit of time last year and at 6'3", 265 pounds, has the body to be really good on the defensive line. Another guy that 
wasn't one of those incredibly high recruits, but you kind of have to put your faith in Babers and the defensive staff that they're going to be able to make him into a, a high-value guy and that uh, Tony White and the rest of the, the staff is going to do with Lockett and Steve Linton as well that they did with um, Cody Roscoe. So I don't know necessarily that those guys are going to come out and have double-digit stats in both the tackles for loss and sacks category, but I will say that if anybody's going to do it, it's this staff. So I, So the thing is... Their best attribute is their youth. It's sure. also their worst attribute because of inexperience, right? Yeah. So Terry Lockett comes in, and you said it, 6'3", 265. Let's use him as an example. He was a true freshman last year, and he had two sacks. Honestly, just getting on the field in that position group in the ACC as a true freshman, that is an accomplishment. But he had two sacks. That's pretty darn good. I think we can liken this position group. I'm not going to disagree with you, by the way. Uh, as far as starters, we can talk about the nitty-gritty with what Kevon Darton is going to be. I say not much, but we'll see. As a backup um, to the defensive tackle position in the middle of that front three. But I think we can liken this unit to the secondary from a couple years ago. Remember that? The team wasn't very good, but you know what? Jihad Carter and Rob Hanna stepped up as freshmen when Cisco got hurt, when Melifamu got hurt, when Williams got hurt, and this is a good unit. They're going to be pretty good for a pretty long time. That's the way I feel about this unit right now. They might not be too strong today, but tomorrow, look out. I actually really like that take from you. I think that with their youth, they could kind of be that unit, and that defensive backcore in the year that Syracuse went 1-10 was really exciting because they were so bad as a team but the only bright spot was that Garrett Williams was picking people off left and right. Now, was I the guy arguing that it was because he had Ify Melifonwu, Andre Sisco, and Trill Williams in front of him who all went to the NFL? Yes, I was. And tell you what, I was right because he did take a step back this past season. But I still think all those guys uh, who showed their potential and showed their skills that season did come to make a pretty exciting core that... I'm excited about for this year. So I like that take from you, Brad, and I don't know necessarily if it's going to come true, but I think those guys definitely could prove to be something like that. And I'm most concerned about Steve Linton when we talk about the starters there. So you got Okachuku and Linton as the defensive ends and then Lockett defensive tackle. Uh, I think Linton has the lowest ceiling on that unit, on that line, as Okachuku has already proven a little bit of something. And Lockett has, I think, the highest potential in the unit, maybe even the highest potential outside of Deuce Chestnut on the entire defensive side of the ball. That's how I feel about Terry Lockett. Yeah. But Steve um, Linton doesn't have really any of that. And I, I guess Steve Linton's kind of the de facto least faith because Lockett and Okacheku at least had a little bit of time on the field while Linton really didn't. So there's not, I don't think he had much of a shot in that conversation, but still, um, he does have the most to prove while they all have plenty to prove. And the other thing about this position is that it could either be one of the more depth positions or absolutely no depth. I mean, it really turns out, it's entirely dependent on what that these guys show in the first couple of games. Like, Names like Francois Knowlton Jr. and Derek McDonald are going to have a chance to really show you what they have. But at the same time, I don't know if about you, Brad, but I've never had 
especially huge trust in really young defensive linemen on Syracuse football teams. And there's no reason to have huge trust. Like Derek McDonald, I remember when he committed, and it was the most, it's not a dig on McDonald, it was just the way he was recruited and the way he was scouted. Um, It was the most mad day ever (laughs) in Syracuse recruiting. Like, he was a good player. There were some rumors that he might be a tight end, he might be a defensive end. We didn't really know what position he was going to play, and that's fine. I guess versatility is good, but if you're not sold on him as a defensive end, I'm concerned. And now he's your backup as a defensive end. Yeah. So I think, and, and that's the thing, is that so often we talk about, we just talked about Syracuse football, and they're recruiting. So often Syracuse might get a three-star that's not really a high three-star, and we just got him to get him, and I guess it's good that we got him, but wait, what's his name again? That was Derek McDonald last year, and he sat on the bench, rightfully so, true freshman. Now he's going to be thrown into the fire, one injury away from being in that position, Um, and I think that's a scary proposition for Syracuse. So you're talking about maybe there is some depth, maybe there's not. I'm saying there's no depth in this unit, but that might be okay. Not a bad take. I think that was the safe take, Uh, so can't really be a bad one. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the ACC Conference Show. Locked on ACC, get your... Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't read this correctly. I need to redo that. Um, I have to say, now make your second listen. Locked on ACC, get all of your ACC news in less than 30 minutes. Okay, I'm going to redo that. Cut this out. Um, <laughs> what, what did I say? It was the safe take? Okay, I'm going to say that again. Brad, that is the safe take, uh, so it can't really be wrong, and I kind of agree. Uh, All right, thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On ACC. Get all of your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Join Brad and I again tomorrow when we talk more of the Syracuse pressing news. We'll be right back with you tomorrow.